Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager slash superhero. Pete, bad news. Uh, what happened? I put a very expensive latte on top of my car, drove off, and it spilled. It's bad. How's that my problem? Oh, my laptop was up there, too. <laughs> uh, okay, that's why we use connection services to manage our cloud. Everything's backed up. I can access your stuff remotely. You won't miss a meeting. I really wanted that latte, Pete. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, your... heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Well, everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay, we're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay, yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Ryan Ray and Ben Samuels present Bring in the Closers, a podcast on making deals and doing business. Welcome to another edition of Bring in the Closers. Ryan Ray here solo for the most part today. I will bring in my guest uh, in a minute. Um, but until then, just want to let you know I will be down at Nape this week. If you are in the Nape area, I will be there. Be on the floor some. Have some meetings set up. I'm excited about that. Thank you guys for tuning in. No new reviews to read this week, but we look forward to those. Um, be sure to rate and review the show in iTunes. My guest this week is... Um, a man who needs a lengthy introduction, but we don't have time for it. Ben Samuels. Ben, it's good to have you on the program today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing amazing. Ryan, I will tell you, since we talked about this, I think like three weeks ago when I was at Eight Connections, <laughs> 100% in a week or two. So I'm, I'm moving in the right direction. <laughs> if you haven't reached out to me on LinkedIn yet, please do so. Um, I try to add some value every once in a while to the feed, try to put... Uh, some good stuff out there for uh, for discussion. Uh, every once in a while, I like to kind of poke the bear. And then, uh, if you're not on LinkedIn, you're obviously not uh, seeing when Ryan, uh, you know, takes me to task. You know, what seems like daily. So, yeah. If you, if you want to be into that, uh, jump on. And if you're new to the show, Ben is obviously the co-host, but I try to give him a hard time as much as humanly possible. Ben, big week this week, and well, we had a guest scheduled, didn't we? I mean, I put it out there on LinkedIn that we had a guest. But as you can see, that's why I brought you on as a guest because, well, the real guest isn't here. Is it going to be here? There should be here at this moment as we're recording this. And you use a term a lot called set the expectation. And I feel like me and you have set the expectation for what we should expect from Nate, which should mean that we're not disappointed that there's no guest today, but the audience members might not have gotten it. Um, so let's reset that expectation that when we go out and say that we have a guest coming on, that means that Nate, not being a Ryan, has gone out and scheduled the guest. And so if the guest doesn't show up, there's only one person to blame, right? Beep. Beep. <laughs> Beep. In case uh, you can't tell, that's the truck being backed over Nate. Um, I'm not going to pile on because uh, he's not on my payroll. So uh, I'm going to let y'all, the two of y'all figure that out. But uh, I'm looking forward to having uh, uh, the unnamed guest here uh, on when we're able to reschedule. And uh, <laughs> hopefully by the time 2020 rolls around, Nate will be up to speed and, and get this thing you know, going. But hey, you know, we're, we're all trying to put it together piece by piece. Yeah, well, it's okay. So, um, we, so can't, we, we can't all have recorded 400 plus podcasts and have that kind of depth of experience. It just 
It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen overnight. You got you got to give us some leeway, man. Wow. See, you're. Why are you on Nate's side? I don't understand this. Like, why are you on his side? You don't want me to answer that on there. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have a guest scheduled for today, um, but he uh, got the time zones mixed up. So, anyways, so he will be rescheduled. No worries. It happens to the best of us, um, which means that Ben didn't get to prepare for today's show like he'd like to. So if he's a little off, I'm setting the expectation now. Me, as a master, Jedi master, podcaster, I am prepared, as always, to talk nonsense for as long as possibly needed. With that being said, it is Nape week. We will be going down to Nape. Um, Ben and I will be down there. I'm going tomorrow night, I believe, is when I get to town. Ben, when do you get to town? Tomorrow night as well? Tomorrow Tomorrow night. Flying in midday tomorrow. Okay, so be down there for some meetings. So if you're down there, hit us up. Love to meet meet with you guys if we can. Which leads me to my first question. How in the world do you prepare for a conference? I've got some thoughts on this. Um, My perspective kind of morphs over time. But uh, I'm just curious, how do you go about the the your I know you're you I know you like things about conferences that I don't like particularly. So I'm curious, how do you go through prepare for conference? Uh, first, I think it depends on, on what the goal is. You know, am I going to the conference because I'm interested in the material being covered by the talks, and am I interested in actually you know learning about something new, uh, whether that be some kind of new technology, or maybe I'm uh, you know going to something like when I went to EarthTech last. Uh, Last month in Denver, uh, you know, the reason I went to that conference is because the uh, the oil field technology space is not necessarily something that I'm, uh, you know, that I have a great finger on the pulse of, and so I wanted to go there and just kind of poke around and see what was available, see, you know, see what was going on in the field. Uh, you know, if I'm looking at a uh, like a water or minerals conference, that's obviously a much more, uh, as I like to say, in my fairway, and so I'm generally coming into that with a game plan of. You know, am I currently shopping or you know marketing assets for for clients that I think there's going to be buyers in the room for that? Uh, you know, if that's the case, then I'm going to be preparing, uh, you know, pitch decks and and data to be provided and, and kind of uh, get a hit list of some of the groups that are you know, that I think will be in attendance or that I know will be in attendance and try to you know interface with those groups directly. Uh, you know, if it's something where I'm just kind of trying to uh, to see what the market is like or, or kind of uh, you know put myself out there. I'm really just in focusing on a lot of times I'll send LinkedIn messages prior, um, just kind of as a softball introduction and then be able to follow that up. And so it really kind of depends. Um, you know, I've gone to a number of these now and I've probably, I'm probably at one conference or another, you know, once or twice a month. And so I've been, and I've been doing that for years now. And so, you know, you kind of get in the habit of there's going to be the same people you know, that, that you see, and it's always good to circle back with those guys. But I don't like to go to the conferences. I'm not there. To, let me say it a different way. I'm not at the conferences just to kind of network and, uh, you know, quote unquote schmooze and go out afterwards and drink. That's not my scene. I'm, you know, I'm going to those with, with actionable, you know, here's what I'm trying to get done. Uh, you know, and so uh, then, it, you know, creates a lot of follow up on the back end, but we can talk about that as well. So how do you, um, you mentioned you might try to you know reach out to some folks online or whatnot to prepare yourself. Obviously, the speaker list will be there. Um, as it gets closer, various companies will start to advertise on some level on LinkedIn or whatnot that they're going to be there. Do you have a, do you have a kind of a method to the madness? Are you looking for sponsors and then going, okay, well, what, you know, people might be interested in the sponsor? Like, how are you breaking that down so that you can make sure you, you're identifying the right people outside of the folks that you, like, as you mentioned, that you're going to know they're, uh, they're going to be there on a regular basis? 
I think it falls into two buckets. I mean, one bucket is, you know, either I've done, you know, deals with that group before, or there's, you know, there's already a connection and we're, you know, talking about a new deal that I may be working on, or they may, you know, they may be working on, or, you know, it's a new contact and I'm really just trying to make the connection and reach out. Uh, if it's the second one, if it's a new connection, I'm just trying to reach out. I think about it very similarly to what we talked about last episode and last week about being able to provide value on the front end and not ask much of them, but really be prepared to kind of lay on the line or lay out, you know, this is what I do. This is where I think that we could come together. If that's of interest, let's, let's have a conversation. And really at, the, I mean, at these conferences, a lot of times, I mean, you know, it's, it's, you, know, you get two or three minutes at most. I mean, it, it's very quick, high level. Here's the business card. Here's what I do. Let's talk after the conference. Um, many times, there are some conferences where, where it's not this way, but there's a lot of times where it's not, you're, you know, you're not having in-depth 30, 45 minute hour conversations with these groups. It's really more just about kind of check, um, checking in and, and, and touching base. And then if there's a more substantive conversation to have, generally you set up like a coffee at the conference, you know, out, out uh, offline or, you know, follow up call the next week or something like that. So one of the things about Nate that I'm curious your thoughts on, and I've said this before, I'll, one of the reasons I like going to Nape is you can walk the floor, and if you walk the floor, let's say you can't walk it obviously in five minutes, but you walk the floor two times a day for two days or something like that, morning, afternoon, mid-morning, afternoon, whatever, not when the sessions are going on, but when the, when the folks are out there, you can kind of walk the floor and you can see what booths have a lot of people around them and which ones are empty. And now that's not a direct indicator of what may or may not be going on, but it does give you some insight that there is a lot of action at this booth and you can start to categorize them. Okay, where are these assets at? Who has them? Is there multiple booths that have a lot of people with these same type of uh, assets in the same areas? Uh, especially if you're looking at something that may be not in the news, if you will. Um, or you might see booths that have stuff that's not in the news or there's no one ever stopping by. So Nate, I'm curious about your perspective on that because Nate kind of give, might give you some insight of what people are looking for, um, whereas other conferences, it's very vendor heavy. And it's kind of hard to get a read just by walking the floor. I feel like Nate, you might can get a read, whereas you can at other others. Um, does that make sense? And do you, would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nape is really kind of, I mean, Nape has a reputation and deservedly so as a conference where a lot of deals get done. There, I mean, there's a ton of deals that get done at the conference. Um, you know, it's, it's a main focus for a lot of groups to package a, you know, minerals or non-op or something like that up and use, you know, two, three, four, six months prior to NAPE to get all of that together and then sell it at NAPE. And, and uh, you know, and that's, that's a business model for a lot of people. And so one of the things uh, that I was thinking about as you were talking, one of the things that I do the very first time that I walk into NAPE on the first day, I do a very quick walkthrough of the entire floor. I try to go from one end to the other just to get a sense of, okay, who's in this side of the room, who's in this side of the room, kind of get, get the lay of the land. But also to your point, you know, where are the big pockets of people? Where, where is, you know, the, the noise coming from? Where, you know, where, you know, where is the activity? Because that will kind of key you in on some other things as well. Because I think it's important, and one of the things that I didn't mention before in my answer before is, you know, I think it's important to come in with a game plan but be willing and able to kind of, you know, deviate from that and, and find, you know, if there's something interesting or something like that, don't feel like you have to be regimented in, in a certain system. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really valuable to kind of keep your eyes on a swivel or keep your head on a swivel and figure out what's going on for sure. The other thing I think that, you know, when you're pre prepping, for, yeah, prepping for a conference is to kind of know what the booths are. And so we talked about from Nate's standpoint, but obviously you went to the conference in Denver a few weeks ago. So I'm curious about that one. But one of the things I've learned and why, 
I'm not as big on conferences maybe as I used to be um, is because a lot of times conferences are packed with other salespeople, business development people, and that's all it is. So it's a lot of vendors who don't really have a ton of overlap, or if they do, they're not using it at that conference to, to really benefit themselves. And so you're walking by and you're spending a lot of time talking to a lot of salespeople who are trying to sell you stuff. Um, Nape is trying to sell you stuff, but it's a different it's a different feel because of just the nature of it's not a um, it's not a transactional type vendor or product. It's actually a, you know you're trying to sell some acreage or whatever the case may be. Um, how how do you to figure out when you're looking at conferences, okay, am I going to walk into the room and it's just going to be a bunch of salespeople and that's going to be hard to really get past that front line or is it going to be the actual, the movers and shakers there? So I look at that a little bit differently and I think it's probably because of how I run the business that I do and, and you know, where I fit into that picture. And what I mean by that is when I'm walking into a conference, whether it be NAPE or more, more technical conference, I'm going in there with the mentality of who do I need to know in this room? What can they provide a value to the people that I networked with and my connections? Because, you know, Zahav Resources or any of the other companies that I own, we're not looking to purchase product. We're not looking to, to take on vendors for the, for the most part. That's not the role that we fill. I'm more of in a mentality of having open ears to figure out where I can, you know, where I, who I can pick out of NAEP and put them together with a group that I'm already working with? Or where can I find the value add to put the pieces together? So it's kind of the same concept of what we've been talking about episode to episode since the, you know, since the beginning of the, con the, of the podcast, but just at a different level because I'm really going in there. And, and so I'm okay with hearing a sales pitch. I'm okay with getting bombarded with sales guys, quote unquote, because I know that if there's something actionable, then my next step is to get to the decision maker. Because so the guy, you know, the the, the sales guy is is providing a service and, and giving me you know something to chew on. But I mean, it, I find that as a value add. I don't really think that that's a negative. Okay. Let's. Um, uh oh, final thing on that is on conferences. What percentage of conferences do you attend? Um, mainly for the speakers, the presentations, uh, versus what's on the booth side of things. Or is it mainly just just a? It's just kind of a either I'm, I'll go no go based upon what I'm seeing, generally you know from the booth inside. And I mean side. that's a I think it's a good question. I, you know, really the way I think about that is there's a lot of times where I you know I say I'll go to a conference. There's a lot of times where I'll uh, you know go to the city in which a conference is taking place and kind of be in the area of the convention center where it's happening, but not actually go into the floor because all I'm trying to do at that conference is meet people that are going to be in the building and kind of network with people that are, that are in that industry. And, you know, whether it be that I don't really, you know, I don't have the time or, or I don't find the need to actually go to the conference. And so it's not a must have for me. Um, you know, I will look at most agendas when they come out of a conference that I'm looking at. And if it's valuable, you know, I'll go. If it's not, I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm hell bent on, on you know, going. Cause I mean, a lot of these conferences are, you know, 500, 700, a thousand dollars a pop. And, you know, so it adds up if you're going to every single one. Um, you know, if you're just going to go, if you're going for a reason, then absolutely, I, I think that there's massive value add. But if you're just kind of going to check the box of, yeah, I was at that conference, I think a lot of times it's just valuable be, being in Houston. I know a lot of people that um, go to Houston for NAEP, quote unquote, but right. don't actually go to the show. And so, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah. And it's interesting because early on you said that, um, you go to a conference and you'll kind of see the same crowd of people that you see at stuff. And there's, there's some value and I'm not sure if it's worth $700, you know, three or four times a month, but there is some value at just being seen at the events, walking the floor, saying, Hey to the guy that you saw 
you know, two months ago, three months ago, um, even if there's not a direct correlation um, or a business that'll be had, just because, um, you know, we always, you know, no one like, no one that I know likes really doing a lot of cold calls if they don't have to, they prefer the warm ones. And so the more, if you, if the budget uh, is a great concern that you brought up, but there is something that if you're there working the room smartly, uh, because you don't know three months, six months, or a year down the road, that person may change jobs or they may expand the portfolios and it's not a cold, it's a warp lead now. Absolutely. So I'm curious what, uh, what you would say to this or how you'd answer this. What would you say, what's the equivalent? So if you meet somebody at NAEP one time, face-to-face, first time you've met, but you're meeting face-to-face and you have some number of minute conversation, how many cold calls or how many phone calls to that same lead, if you hadn't met them, do you think that that equals? How many times do you have to pick up the phone and cold call somebody to equate to one just couple minute conversation face-to-face? Um. It could be a lot because they may not answer your phone call <laughs> or respond to your email. You know, we talked about Robert Martinez on a few weeks ago. You know, I mean, if you're meeting someone like Robert at Nape um, versus trying to get into his door through emails or phone calls, that can go a long way. So, no, there's the, I think that's a great way to look at it is that you you have kind of potentially, if you can make a good first impression, you know, kind of um, cut out a lot of process because it's not only the it's not only the phone. It's not only, let's say you do cold call them and you talk to them the first time. Um they're getting a lot of vendors call them, a lot, of, a lot of business people like ourselves call them. So even if you do get on the phone, they might not remember you. Um, at least here you exchange a card, you can follow up an email. And one of the things I always like to do when I'm meeting someone is try, especially if it's important, try to either write down a quick note or say something in the conversation that can reference in the email later um, because that's of importance as well. Okay. Uh it's so important for people to hear that. That's, that is so critical. I can't tell you, Ryan, how many conferences I went to until I quote unquote figured that out. I can't, I can't tell you how many business cards I have. And I have actually a stack sitting right next to me here. I can't tell you how many business cards I have that I have no note, no context, no nothing. So I don't know where I met them, what we talked about, what their interests were, none of those things. And so the only way I have that is if I followed up with a generic follow-up response email and like, Hey, I saw you last week at the conference. Let's talk. But you know, that, that rings totally hollow. And so I probably almost always get default to just not following up, which may even be a worse thing, but I don't want, I don't want it on me that like, you know, yeah, I know that we talked, but I don't remember what you look like. I barely remember your name. I've got your business card, but I met, you know, 600, 600 other people this week. And so who knows? Whereas, you know, recently, and I say recently, probably over the last couple of years, I've gotten in a habit of, and, and it might actually be rude, and I'm, I'm curious to hear, hear your thoughts on this, but a lot of times as I'm talking to someone, I will take out a pen and on the back of their business card, be writing down notes as they're talking to me so that I don't forget. And, and I think, I mean, sometimes sometimes people will probably be like, what, you know, what in the world is, is he doing? But mm-hmm. that allows me to then go back after the conference and actually have like things to talk about. But also, I think that's a differentiator because especially uh, if you're listening to this podcast, by the way, and you're like, in your in a sales role, make sure to do this because that in and of itself, I think, is a differentiator. It could get you into some doors that you might not be able to get into. If people he- if people know that you heard them and that they're being listened to, that mm. that in and of itself is such a rapport builder. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that's a bad sign as well. In fact, I almost know that someone's going to contact me when they run the back of their business card. Like I know, okay, I'm hearing from that person. So it almost signals, Hey, this person's going to contact me. I got to be prepared to remember what they told me because <laughs> they're going to do it. And it doesn't mean I always will, but, but if, if I see them pull the card out, start writing, I kind of like, I, I got to get really locked in. Now this isn't just your normal conversation. We're actually doing something. A few things that I've tried before, um, 
I have a few strategies in general just to try to get people off of business outside that world um, that, that helps me um, relate with them or understand things. Um, and sports is something I really like. And so it's easy. If I can get someone to talk about sports and I can figure out your favorite team, odds are, unless it's like cricket or something like that, I can pretty much talk at a, you know, 30,000 foot level about just about any sports here. So if I can find out where you went to college or whatever, I can, um, you know, we can, we can talk about sports, which then gives me something to remember them by because that's important as well. And of course there's a lot of Aggies in Texas and Longhorns. And so it's kind of, it's kind of a differential thing, but, but I, I like to, because I, I got to have something to reference is other than those 37 acres in Midland County that everyone asked you about. So um, do you try to get something a little bit more personal? I say personal, but not, not about the asset itself. Um, do you have a kind of a strategy or technique that you will deploy um, that you can kind of repeat the process that allows you to mass talk to people um that gives you an easy point of reference if you can, you know, when you, when you go back to them. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the introduction process. I, I try to kind of in my intro. Um, and I think I even did this. If you listen back to my intro on episode one, I, I kind of have an elevator speech of, of an intro of myself that I, that I give, you know, more often than not. And it, and it gives like, you know, I'm from Boston or you know, I went to school in Boston. I'm a Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. It gives like a bunch of different things so that the person can kind of key in on any of that and then we yeah. can have something to talk about. And so I give, I think I've kind of just trained myself or, or I've refined that to the point where I have a number of like things that they can key in on and then, for, and then I take their lead. So whatever they latch on to, I think, I mean, I think I did that with you. And the first thing that you and I had in common was the Red Sox. And we talked about that. And, and so that, but that was like in my lead up to like having the conversation. And so, you know, to that point, I think it's valuable to kind of think through that, think through how you can best, present yourself and introduce yourself that gives people like the, the invitation to engage. Cause a lot of times I find that, you know, if, if I give, or if I hear somebody give me a very dry intro of like, Hey, my, my name is, uh, my name is Jamie. Uh, and I work for X company, you know, how's it going today? Right. That, that doesn't give me anything to go on. And so then, so then right. a lot of times that, that conversation will die or, or I'll start talking to somebody else, but you can have a really good, I mean, you can make a serious connection with somebody in, two or three minutes. I mean, I'm not talking about a long time here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. And the final thing on NAEP in general, I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Uh, now we are, for the listeners who will be at NAEP, we are going as media. So when we're on the NAEP grounds, we'll be there strictly as bringing the closers media, talking to folks about um, the podcast and, you know, deals, but we won't be doing any business that is part of being media. Now, once we leave the grounds, well, yeah, we might burn the place to the ground, but you know, inside the inside the building, we will be um, there as media. But one, and, and I learned this lesson the first time I went to NAEP as media. When I went to NAEP and I walked up to someone's booth um, who had whatever acreage for sale, wherever I said, "Hey, I'm Ryan Ray, Texas Oil Gas Podcast." Um, you know, kind of my show, da da da. He said, "Okay, great," and then basically stopped talking to me. <laughs> and then the next person I went to was the same thing. And one of the things I learned very quickly was at NAEP. They're trying to literally sell this thing. And unlike a vendor conference, the prospective buyer is on my side of the table. So if I'm sitting there talking to you and I'm not interested in buying, the buyer could walk past because he's sees that you're, you're, you're clogged up. So knowing the floor and how the floor works is also important. So when we're at NAEP or when I'm at NAEP and I'm there as uh, not as the owner of R Square Global, but if I'm there as a, as a media member, I'm going to be very respectful of people's time. I'm not going to be bogging their booth down. Um, it's going to be quick. It's going to be short. Now, if I was there as a uh, someone who's trying to negotiate deals and whatnot, I would have a lot different tactics. So understanding 
you know, where you're at in the conference, who's on the other side of the table and how they're thinking about you is, is a difference. Cause you're, if you're at a conference, that's really vendor heavy and they're trying to sell to people, you know, those conferences are sometimes lightly attended by operators and, uh, and, uh, company men. So they're willing to sit there and talk to you. But Nate, um, and this wasn't, the guy wouldn't be disrespectful. I just understood it. He was hoping that a buyer was going to walk by and here I was taking up his time. Yeah, absolutely. Know, know your place. Know what you're, again, I think that goes back to know what you're trying to accomplish, right? And so, you know, if you're, heck, if you're a PLRM or other, you know, business student and you're going to NAEP to try to find a summer internship, you know, just, just know that you're going to need to be on point, quick, have a resume in hand, you know, and make that a quick trans, transition or, you know, or, you know, just find where you are in the room and, uh, and act accordingly. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that is, NAEP is, is, again, like I said before, NAEP is a conference where a lot of deals get done, and, and so that's that's where the primary focus is. Okay. Uh, now, with that being said, we talked a lot about conferences, which is a lot of in-person meetings. We talked about prepping about prepping for that, but there's been a lot of talk, at least between me and you offline, about this idea of how valuable is the in-person meeting today. Um, obviously, I think it is valuable. Um, I can't, we can't negate that, but with stuff like we're using Zoom conference service right now, um, if Zoom wants to sponsor the show, please hit us up. But we're using Zoom conference service right now, which means that we can see each other. Um, we don't. We could use FaceTime or WhatsApp or, or a lot of other services. You know, uh, what's it, Skype? Um, we could do that to get the video, the 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 face to face, if you will. Um, obviously, phone, text, email, things like that are available. Ben, are we to the point to where the face to face is not as valuable as it used to be because we can get face to face? other ways or is it no the face-to-face is still so important we should be striving for those types of meetings i think that's lots to do with context for a first meeting to establish rapport and establish a connection i think face-to-face is unbelievably invaluable i think there's no substitute whatsoever i think you know the 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 ability to connect with someone at a you know at a really core and, and meaningful level is exponentially greater face to face as it is over the phone or any other medium. That being said, once you've established that trust and that relationship and, and that communication, I think you know, like when you and I talk on the phone or text or email or or on Zoom, I don't feel any more connection with you one way or the other, or even when we're face to face. I don't necessarily. There's not you know a lot of value to that that we couldn't have offline somewhere, but if I'm, you know, just establishing a relationship or, or if it was with a client or, you know, the, the context of the relationship also matters. And so, you know, yes, face-to-face is unbelievably invaluable. Um, in this day and age, there's ways to kind of, uh, you know, work around that and mitigate that, uh, you know, with people that you've already have established connections with, but getting out there. And that's something that's really valuable. I mean, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago about, you know, the, two or three minute meeting versus the, you know, how many cold calls is it going to take? It's just about having that interpersonal connection. So I thought about this some, and I I go back and forth on it because when I'm on the phone with someone talking to them, um, I, I, unless it's someone, you know, like yourself who I've got a pretty good rapport with, but if I'm on the phone with someone, I'm kind of trying to be aware of constantly reading the phone call to see, do I need to end this call? So this other person doesn't have to, right? Um, you're laughing at me. You're laughing at me. Don't laugh at me. I'm being. I, I opened myself up, and you just punched me right in the heart, man. It, 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 I'm. I'm not laughing at you, but I, but I know. I'm just actually. I'm appreciative of the fact that you're so self-aware that you that, that you said that, and I didn't have to bring it up because I find it hilarious. And I'm gonna. I'm, I'll. I'm gonna minorly throw you under the bus here. I. I absolutely find it hilarious 
there will be times where Ryan and I are on a call with another group and we're listening to like an initial pitch. And I'll start, you know, at some point at the quote unquote end of the conversation. And the reason I say quote unquote is because when Ryan decides that it's time to wrap up the conversation, <laughs> I'll get texts that say, all right, who's pulling the ripcord? Or you know, when are we getting off this thing? And, it's, and then, it, you know, it's usually on me to uh, to actually pull that ripcord and, and move us off the conversation. But I just, I just, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh at you, but I, I just love the fact that, like I said, I love the fact that you're so self-aware that you know that you do it and it's with intent. I just, I, I, I love it. I'm still not sure if I got ran over by the bus where I was getting given an attaboy, or maybe you ran me over and screamed attaboy as the tires rolled over me slowly. I'm not sure what happened there. Hey, man, it's an art. It's an art. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you're in the room with someone, um, you know, you can, I feel like you can gauge that pretty well. So, you know, it, it, whereas when you're on the phone with them, it's a, it's a little bit tougher. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's even on this medium right here, if you had a lot of video conferences scheduled, it's very much regimented, hey, 15 minutes, which kind of can speed up. You can get that in person as well. I'm not trying to negate that. I don't know, just, just to me, um, I wish business was easier to be done over these types of mediums, but at least I feel that pressure. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that pressure of, hey, when you're on the phone, when uh, email and text are a little bit different, um, but when you're on the phone or on a, on a, a Skype or whatever, it's, 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 there's almost this urgency to get things done rather than sit down and kind of relax. Maybe I'm crazy here. Am I the only one who feels that? No, no, not at all. I think at T-Mobile for business, unconventional thinking means we see things differently so you can focus on what matters most. That's why we've become the leader in 5G, number one in customer satisfaction and a partner who includes 5G in every plan. So you get it all. Unconventional thinking is better for business. Open Signal awards T-Mobile as America's fastest 5G network USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Capable device required. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain plan or features. See T-Mobile.com. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. I think there's different trigger points for everybody. I think that there have been times, like there have been times where you and I have been on a phone call and you've been ready to wrap up, but I had, you know, three, four, five more, more questions and, and, and I could have kept going. Um, I think there's also something to be said for, uh, and I found this with a number of different partners that I've worked for in the past. I think everybody, everybody kind of has a different appetite for what's to be discussed when on a call. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of times where, you know, I may have, okay, on an intro call, I want to do these nine things, but you only want to do like six of them, which is totally fine. There's not a right or wrong. Sure. But, and so, so if I'm trying to get those other three things accomplished, but that's not on your radar for, for introduction call number one, you're probably ready to pull the ripcord, you know, 15, 20 minutes before I am, right? Because we haven't gotten there. Whereas there's, a, there's sometimes where, you know, where I'll, you know, depending on the conversation, if, if there's a call that I just need, like, I just need bullet points, and I just need like a couple of action items, I'm okay with like an intro call lasting. I've had introduction calls for assets you know, with a new group that I've never talked to before last like 10 or 12 minutes, including rapport, if I only mm -hmm. needed to get like a high level. But there have been others where it's taken like two hours. I mean, it, so it really yeah. just kind of depends. Um, what, what do you think about that? Because like I said, you, you definitely seem to have a different appetite for kind of what's to be discussed when and, and the flow of that. So how do you commit that from? Yeah, and, and as, as I hear you talk about this, I'm thinking of trying to think of some of those times that we've had those and try to gauge what I was thinking, and I don't fully remember all of it right now. Um, but but so I, and I, as one as one, I can point out to uh, we had a call with uh, with somebody that we met at the Produce Water Conference, and then uh, somebody else in Dallas, and we were talking about something that's a little bit outside your fairway, uh, uh, hot tapping the pipeline. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so. 
for me, it's, I, I guess, and maybe this is, boy, we're, we're opening up the, do we need to get the counseling table out here, the chair, when I was a little boy? Oh, um, I'm going to put, no, actually, I, I didn't tell you, next week I'm going to put a chair, like a, a, a long couch right there. <laughs> we're we're going to go full counselor session. Full counselor session. Yeah, I guess on some level, um, I do think, to your point, I have had really long introduction calls. Um, I kind of try to presume, I try to presume this on some level, A, that people are busy, B, that they've got other things to do, and C, that my, my tendency is to talk more than they want to talk. That's, so I try to, I try to operate under that paradigm. You're pointing at me, the listeners can't see this. So I don't know if you're being sarcastic or serious here. Actually, that's a good question. I don't think I've asked you that before. Can the listeners see when I'm pointing at you, but you're talking? No, they can't. Oh, that's, that's good to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can change that where they can, but as it's set up right now, they can't. Um, no, it's okay. No, that's good for no. The, the reason I the reason I uh, stopped you is because it's interesting that you say that because my my experience with you thus far is the opposite. My, I think my experience with you thus far is that you're you know you seem to be ready to get off the call significantly quicker than most other groups are, or or you seem to be the one that's like you know got your get the antenna up before. Even you know a lot of times I am because because I, I candidly I think that I have kind of a quick trigger for that I, I think that there's times where I've reached the point of like okay I'm you know I I've now heard everything that's going to be useful for me today let's let's you know move this along but but I think that you're even you know you have even a quicker trigger so it's just interesting interesting to hear you say that so I guess you're agreeing with me is what you're saying long windedly I'm always long winded number one and I always agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you, so, you, you are an endless fountain of good ideas oh good gosh um yeah they can't see you but they can hear your phone going off every 30 seconds oh shot fired in the middle of the show sorry um <clears throat> let's continue on <laughs> yeah there's a bus somewhere coming for you um nate please well, leave that in in that, in that case did you hear the star wars theme song go off a few minutes ago no i just heard the ding dings and stuff so uh it's okay it's, it's on the it's uh, we set the ex- we spent the we set the expectation for low quality content here already. It's okay, um, yeah. So that that's me. And, and part of that though, it, it, and we can I'll, I'll kind of leave this here, and we can delve off offline or the listeners if they want us to circle us back. Part of this is um, a lot of the time when I was doing sales was with people who did not want to talk very long because they're getting you know they're out there running projects things like that. So part of that's probably ingrained in me where hey I've got two to five minutes and they're going to get off the phone. They're going to tell me to get off the phone, you know? And so I'm trying to make sure I'm getting things done very, very efficiently, very fastly. So let me, let me move the conversation into a different kind of segment of, of communication. I'm curious how you would address this. Cause, cause since you said that, I find this to happen a lot with me. Um, okay. So let's move away from the introduction. So, you, so you've now met this person, maybe you've done a deal, but, but you're in, you know, you have the trust, you have the relationship already established. Um, I find a lot of times, uh, and I think you and I see this very similarly, so you and I uh, can connect on this, but there will be times where I'll pick up the phone, and when the person answers, I'll just launch into, hey, I'm working on X, Y, or Z, I'm looking, you know, and, and they say, yeah, how's your day going, what's going on, and and I'm like having to backtrack, I'm like, oh, yeah, everything's cool, you know, whatever, and like kind of revert back into rapport, you know, where do you, to your point, I'm similarly of the same mind, when someone has called me or when I've called someone, I want to take up as little as time as possible, but be, you know, be effective. 
but at the same time, you know, continue to build that relationship, right? And so it's not trying to cut people off, but, but I mean, how do you balance that between, you know, if you're talking to somebody and you're in the middle of a deal, and I'm not talking about like Will or, or Nate or, or Josh or any of those guys, but, but maybe like a vendor or something like that or, or a client, how, how do you kind of address that? So I'm going to tell you how I think I address it, and you tell me if this has been your experience or not, because yeah, I'll catch me off guard here. If a client or an unknown person calls, I try to answer, say, this is Ryan. This is Ryan. Okay. Uh, which is very much the, you know, for making sure you got the right person, whatever, this is Ryan. Here it is. Uh, trap more of a business, if you will. I heard that when I was young. I always liked the guy who said it. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So if it's that type of call, uh, I don't, unless it's a client that we're really good friends with, it's going to be, this is Ryan. That's usually, that's usually how I, how I answer it right then. Um, what about the reverse? What about outbound? If I'm calling them, yeah. So if I'm calling, um, so if I'm calling a client, um, it's going to depend on how busy I think they are. That's really going to be the gauge, and how good of friends we are. Because um, sometimes I've called clients and I've misgaged that. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? You know, and I'm just trying to maybe not not start off business, just try to get the rapport thing down. And they're like, I'm really busy. What's up? I'm like, Arr! so I, I try to I try to be careful on that. Um, maybe I'll start off with something respectful, like, Hey, do you have a minute? You know, um, something like that. And then, and then they can let them answer. Usually if they answer the phone, they have the minute cause they answer the phone, but I still try to, Hey, do you have a minute? And that, if I say, Hey, you have a minute, that means I'm about to talk business right then. Yeah, absolutely. I think I do. Actually, I do something very similar the way that I generally, so if I'm calling somebody calling outbound to a, to a vendor, to a client, um, I try to in a very short order, Hey Ryan, this is Ben. I wanted to see if you had a couple minutes to talk about this, this, and this. Yeah. Is, is now a good time? So, like, give them like here are the things that we're going to talk about if you have time. Because if those things are not on the radar, then they can push you off. But if if they have you know a quick couple quick minutes, you know they can talk about that stuff to give them kind of a primer of, of what you're meeting. Right. And the other thing I'll do is if it's something um, that is short, and I'm afraid they might think it goes long, I will say. Do you have five minutes? And I will say that. And, when, and, and this is important for me. When they do that, I handle the call completely different. I give them as little information as I think that they need to make their decision off of. And as soon as it's done, I say, okay, thank you. And I get off the phone with them to train that mentality that when Ryan calls, he says, do you have five minutes? It's going to be really short, really hard. And I've actually had people go, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay, hold on. Let's take 15 minutes to delve through this here. And it's like, okay, that's fine. I just wanted you to know that I'm prepared fully to give you what I think I can give you in five minutes and get off and get out of your hair. And I've gotten a pretty good response both ways. A, the five minutes work well and B people going, actually we need longer for this, but they appreciate the fact that I tried to pack it into five minutes. I think it's really valuable to mention and to just point out that if you, if you give that pitch and you say that you cannot go more than five minutes. If you, yeah. if you, if you ask someone can without their permission, minutes, without their permission, yeah. But if, if you if you ask somebody for five minutes and they give you five minutes, you can't take nine minutes. But yeah. if, at the five minute mark, if you stop and they say, "All right, you know, I've got another ten. Let's dive in." That's your that's your lead in to ta to have as, or take as much time as they'll give you. But if you make a commitment on the front end, because I've had people say, "Hey, I just need five minutes of your time," and then they launch into a you know, seven, eight, ten minute pitch, and I'm and I'm sitting there like, you know, what, what just happened? You told me you needed five. We're now right. at eight. And, and now I have to be the one in the position to get you off the phone. And right. I, you know, that, that's not a position you want to put the person you're reaching out to in. Right. Yep. So, no, that's uh, – so with that being said, let's kind of go back to the genesis here because it sounds like there's – the genesis was in meeting versus the phone, the email. 
and all of that. Um, just the general premise, because we, we've touched on this a couple different ways here. How good do you feel like you're with reading people? Um, we'll take email out because email is probably the most formal way we communicate uh, to this to, 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 uh, still today. Phone and text. Um, well, I don't know if you do a lot of Skype or Zoom conferences or whatever besides this, but phone, text, or video conferences versus being there in the moment. Just personal evaluation. How good do you feel like you are reading the room? I feel like I'm in a meeting. I can watch the person. They start tapping the desk. They kind of lean back, whatever. There's certain cues that I'm I'm sitting there going, okay, this is the ripcord moment. On the phone, maybe from your feedback, I am a little, um, I am a little quick on the trigger, or uh, maybe I don't necessarily think that we should go any further for various reasons, but, but I'm willing to concede it's both. Um, how do you feel that you do with that? At the end of the day, there's no substitute for face-to-face. -face. There, there just isn't. You can read body language and nonverbal cues so much better. I mean, I happen to talk with my hands a lot. And so when you're on the podcast and I'm talking, you can see, you know, you can see a lot of, a lot of jazz hands, um, <laughs> but that's, you know, um, but it kind of scales back, right? So face to face, I mean, it's, it's relatively generic, but face to face, I think there's, you know, truly no substitute for that. Uh, on a Zoom conference like this, you know, I, I can read body language just okay. Uh, but, you know, there's certain things, like right now, if you were doing something with your hands, I wouldn't be able to tell, because I, so I can't see those and uh, those kind of things. I, I know what you're saying. I, I do, yeah, right here, you can't see my hands. Um, I can't see really below your, your body. Go ahead, you, if you picked up your... Yeah, and no, so to that point, I mean, there's a lot that you can pick up on, on Zoom conferences, but then scaling back to the next step, but I think on the phone, you can hear, you know, voice inflection and you can hear those kind of things, but there's a lot of nonverbals that you won't be able to pick up on. And then, you know, unless I have a, a really established relationship with someone, I very rarely will text them uh, anything more than like critical data type of things. What I mean by that is because I found so many times, even just the most generic language can be misconstrued on text. And I just don't like, I don't, I don't like to even have that, you know, take that chance. And so I'll just, I, I'm more than happy to pick up the phone. And even if it's leaving a voicemail, I, I'd usually do that. And I've actually, sometimes um, I will, uh, depending on, again, on the context of the relationship, but I'll send somebody a voice memo through text just so they can hear my voice because that in and of itself, it's still text, but they're at least getting where I'm coming from a lot more cleanly. I was about to ask you if you use the voice memo. I don't like it much in iPhone, uh, the one that's built in there because it goes away and you can't really control it much. It's really kind of touch and go. Uh, just for the listeners, WhatsApp is the premium service for all things texting. WhatsApp can sponsor the show as well. Um, but but voice memos, we do need to get into that Facebook money. That's a good idea. Get in that Facebook money. That's where the money's at, right? <laughs> they can run whatever propaganda ads they want to uh, about this show. But, um, but yeah, I thought about the voice memo things, using it more. I use it some in WhatsApp. I know uh, you mentioned Will. Me and him will send them, especially if we're driving or something. It's so easy just to, to send them. And they're a lot better in there than they are in the native uh, iMessage I, I, I message chat. But voice memos, something I have thought about going a little bit more to um, as time goes on. Because you're right. Um, you know, like I give you an example. I send off, sometimes I want to use an exclamation point and I'll put a question mark. I think I sent this to you the other day, maybe, and you're kind of making fun of me. Obviously, you know what I meant. But, but if I, if I'd recorded the voice memo, there would have been no doubt what I meant. And, and I don't think, I don't think in that context it was debatable, but I have had them where I meant to hit the exclamation point. I hit the question mark. It was kind of like it could have gone either way, you know, and just like, God, that was, you know, that's, I don't know why I pressed that button, but I did. And I hit send and then you can't undo it on iMessage. So. There's that. But we have one more topic to talk about. And this might be the most important topic we've ever discussed on this show. Um, and what I mean by that is, are we going to do 
not we, I do them. Do you do read receipts or not for text messages? Emails, I don't do them. I will tell you why if you want to know. But text, I do them. I love them. They are my life. I'm turning the tables on around on you. I want you to set the table here because I, I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like having read receipts on is the counterintuitive stance as opposed to, I think people, I, I would imagine that most people, and I'm also curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I would imagine that the norm quote unquote is to have read receipts turned off. So why do you find it valuable? Is it something that you find is valuable for you inwardly, or is it something more outward to the people that are, you know, that are receiving those read receipts? How do you look at that? Well, I look at it like once I've opened that text message, they're going to know that I've opened it. Assuming, obviously, it's it's a iMessage or WhatsApp. Uh, iMessage, the Android doesn't work. Uh, not that I know of, at least. But, yeah, I, they know that I've read it, and I want people to know that when I read their message, I'm going to respond. That's a big deal for me. Um, I try to be pretty prompt, um, depend on what's going on, depend on when I'll do it. The other thing is, if I leave, which gives me two options, really. So if I have a read receipt on, um, and the message pops up, Bob Smith texts you or whatever. Um, and I, and I know there's a read receipt there. Um, I've got two options. A, I can leave it unread or B, I can go try to read it. And sometimes when you open it up, it's already on Bob's thing. So it's read. So it kind of creates this tension. Do I go see what Bob sent me right now? If I go and see, he's going to know that I've read it. Therefore I might need to respond. Um, and so it, it creates kind of this, this process of trying to make sure that I respond to people um, whereas if it's turned off, like with email, um, I can open it, you know, I can't unread an email that I, a text or WhatsApp. I can unread an email. I can, I can put it back to unread. Um, so it kind of starts this, this chain of pressure that makes me respond and responding to people is really important to me. I like it when people respond to me. It makes you, I mean, it makes you feel good. Someone took the time to, to respond to you. You're appreciative. They took the, you know, they, they didn't have to and they did. And so, um, for me, it creates this, this burden to respond to people. And from the moment I get it, do I actually open up the application? Because the application could take me straight to the text message. And so um, I have to work through all that. You know, what's going on in my life? Uh, am, I, am I busy? Do I have time for this? And so maybe I'm crazy in that regard, but it's, it's a big deal. And I, I'm not perfect by any stretch of imagination, but I really try to make sure that when I go to check a text, um, there's that burden that they're going to see that I read it and I need to respond. And if I forget, I'm going to look like an idiot because they saw that I read it two days ago. I never responded. I mean, I look like an idiot anyways. I'll just save you that that easy zinger there. But that's that's kind of my, my, my method. Can you can you not do my job for me? I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. At least let at least let me drive the bus over you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, um. Yeah, you know that's really interesting. I, I I could almost just kind of reverse what you said and, and tell you that's my stance. I, I think that the I th I think that it's somewhat for me a pushback on this idea that when somebody else wants or needs my time. I'm compelled to give it to them right then. I think there's something to be said for, you know, uh, like you said. So if you if you read a text and there's a read receipt on, they now know you've read that. And you know, there are a lot of times where I find myself, you know, I'll read a text and I'll need a few hours to think about my response, or I want to think through a response, or you know, I, I want the time to be able to make a couple of phone calls and get back to them without them really, you know, without them having been like, you know, he read it eleven twenty eight a.m. It's now we four fifteen. What's going on? Um, you know, more than that though, and this is just a, this is a very personal thing, uh, and I think I've said this to you before. I don't think I've said it on air yet, and I don't, I don't say it to very many people, but I'll put it out there. Um, it's probably very counterintuitive to 
most everyone that knows me, especially in my professional capacity, my professional life, but I'm fiercely, fiercely introverted as a person, just to my core of, of my own personal, um, my own personal life. And so what that means to me is that there's times where I just kind of need to be offline and allow myself to process things a little bit more differently, or maybe a little bit longer than some others may, uh, you know, may need to. And, you know, I, I work around that and I adjust to that and I don't find it to detractor on a daily basis. But I, I say that to say there's times where, you know, I don't, I don't feel compelled to respond to a text right away. And to your point, I don't want someone else to think, you know, Oh, it's been, you know, it's been a day or been a day and a half since, since he clearly read this, he must not care. Cause it's, it's almost always not that it's just that I don't have the bandwidth at the moment or I, I want to give it some thought, or I'm just not in the headspace where I'm, where I'm ready to respond at the moment. And none of those three things, I don't think those three things are negatives. I think that that's just a, a personal quirk and a personal choice. That being said, you know, if there's something that somebody sends me that, that, that needs a response, they're going to get a prompt response. Uh, one of the other things I was curious about, uh, if, if you can answer this as well, in addition to responding to, um, to what I just said, but on, I don't know if they can do it on Android, but on, um, on iPhones, at least, when you get a text message like on your home screen, on, on, uh, you know, yeah, on the home screen, you can set it so that you can actually read the text or you can set it so that it just says iMessage. And so you can't actually read the actual body of the text. Uh, I used to have it so that you could read the text, but over the last couple, I think I did, changed it about maybe two or three months ago, I changed it to where all I can see now is where it says iMessage because that, can yeah. help, that compels me to open the phone and look at the message. And mm -hmm. then, so that's my own kind of self-correction of kind of what you're talking about, but it's on, it's like on my line, it's on my side, it's on like, it's offline to someone else, so, mm -hmm. but it's keeping me accountable because actually you sent me a text I think you sent me a text on like Tuesday or Wednesday that it turned out like you needed a response right then. But I was in the middle of something, and, and I could even if I had read it, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have been able to respond right away. But it would have been you know it would have been helpful for me to know. Hey, I got to get on this. I got to answer this as opposed to I think I answered you like six or seven hours later uh, when I had a break. And you know what, what do you think about that? So to your first point about the pressure. One of the things that I've done is, as I mentioned, when you open that app, sometimes they might be the text that it goes to, depending on where your setting was. So if it's something I can't get to, um, I can send back a message that says, hey, can I respond to you back in four hours about this? Which then will prompt them to say yes, which means I will just back out of the text where I got the, all my text on the screen and just exit the app. And so then re respond back is sitting there. And I can, I can go and I can look at all my texts at one time and see if they say yes or no without actually reading it. Um, then it's there as a reminder. I know I'm crazy, man. I'm crazy. But that's how it works. Uh, I got so many emails that sit there that I mark unread and I don't go back and act on them because there's not that pressure of, of, of it being there. And so, yeah, I'm, it, it's, a, it's a flaw of mine, I'm happy to say. Uh, I'm sure Nate, as he's editing this, goes sitting there going, good God, I know of all the emails I've sent him he's never responded to. But the, the WhatsApp, the text messages, those get me to act. And I'll say this, and this is not a, this is not an attaboy story. This is something that made me feel pretty bad. Um, I have a friend in South Africa, and he was traveling to Europe. And um, he sent me an email and said, hey, I lost my phone. I got to get a new one. My WhatsApp will be back in a day or two or something like that. I read the email, and I never responded. I just saw it and thought, okay, whatever. Sure. Um. A week goes by, he or two weeks go by, he goes back, whatever it was, he goes back to Africa, and he's like, we talk about whatever we had to talk about, and he goes at the end, he goes, hey, I want you to know, I was really disappointed, I sent you that email, and you didn't respond. You, you, you know, you're so, he's like, you always respond to everything I say, and you didn't respond to this one email. And I thought I had, to be honest with you, um, but I didn't, 
And I think it was just because I treat email differently than I do text or, or, or WhatsApps. And I treat them so differently that I, I don't do a good enough job on staying on the email. Um, so for me, it's it's kind of a, a checks and balances. I know I'm deficient on email. I need to get better at that. Uh, but when it comes to this, I always tell clients, you know, if you need anything, uh, 24-7, 365, this is on me. Um, you know, call me, text me, whatever. And so it's kind of ingrained that if it's coming directly to the bat line, if you will, that I'm going to try to get it. And speaking of, I got a text right here. It's driving me crazy. I hadn't checked. <laughs> but it's there. I'm like, I need to check that. Um, where's the emails? I'm like, ah, I'll get to them next month. So to your point, I'm actually curious. I don't know if you and I have, have talked about this before. Let me let me pull up my email here. Let me give you an actual or an accurate count, I should say. Um, so yeah, currently I've got uh, 31 emails uh, that are quote unquote marked as unread in my inbox. Um, but I actually, I have... Relatively recently, I'm trying to think of when, maybe the last year or so, I've almost started to use my email inbox as a to-do list. And what I mean by that is I will keep the important emails that I need to act on as unread. So like there, there are email chains that have you know, 20, 30 email responses in them that I will then revert back to kicking them to unread because then you know, each morning or whenever I'm trying to check things off or when I'm trying to you know, find action items, all I need to do is look at, you know, maybe my Dropbox and then my email inbox. And I've got, right now I've got 31. I've got 31 emails that, that are either the balls in my court or they're, they're important enough to be, you know, up there for some reason or another, right? And so I, I kind of use that as almost like a, again, like you're talking about kind of like a checks and balances of like what needs to happen and, and what do I need to respond to? Um, because I find that with, with texting, I have a kind of, and uh, to be candid, I, I guess I have a short, kind of a short bandwidth and, and a short attention span for texts in the sense that I'm not going to, I'm not going to have long winded exchanges via text. It, you know, if you, if you have, if you have more than like two or three very surface level questions for me, it better be in an email or a phone call. I, you know, I'm not going to like, I'm not going to just hammer away and, and type pages long texts. Uh, and so I think to that point, I think one of the other reasons that, that I, I tend to respond to texts in a different tack in, in the sense that you know, I'll take more time, et cetera, is that I'm kind of, you know, actually, I guess I hadn't thought about this until I'm saying it out loud, but I guess maybe on some level, I'm almost trying to train the other person of, listen, text is for really quick back and forth. And if you need me, you know, I'm here, but if you need something substantive, pick up the phone or, or shoot me an email. Cause that's, you know, that's where the more, the more long-winded stuff happens. Do you agree with that, or do you there, find there, yourself... There's no doubt the training portion is true, and I would say, we can kind of end it on this note, is no matter what you're doing, whether you're doing it like I am, or like Ben is, or like whoever, you are training people. There are certain people that I know, once I've texted with them a handful of times, I get their pattern. Some people will send a burst of three, four, five one-liners in a row. Some people will send big, long explanations. Some people won't respond for two or three days. Some people will ignore four in a row, and then they'll respond to the fifth. Um, so you are, I think what you said about training people, you everyone's training someone in their, in their ways they communicate. Um, and so I think that that's, um, I think you're dead on the money there. Um, but the email thing, I'm learning more techniques. And one of the things I've learned since we talked last is, uh, I say last, but over the last couple of weeks is something that's been around for a while. I've just been an idiot and hadn't realized it. You know, I'll save a lot of articles and I'll put them in my Safari on my iPhone. And then I forget about it. I have like 500 Safari articles opened up. Well, what I learned is, is instead of opening something in Safari, you can open it into notes. 
And then once you open it in the notes, they're right there on your Mac. I just got a Mac last couple months, so I'm, I'm new to Mac. But they're on the Mac, which means now I can go to my Mac and boom, there's my notes with all this. And so, you know, if, if I could get the emails where it's, I could get that to kind of sort itself out, I'll really be able to get something done by 2022, 2023, some of that time frame. Uh, but it's... but but. That was something I just recently found out because I never had a Mac computer until again the last couple of months, and so now it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a that's a nice handy shortcut there that I did not know existed. Absolutely, and uh, for those of you that are uh, listening that are not drinking the Apple Kool Aid and do not have iPhones, uh, you can do the exact same thing. I actually use, uh, even though I have an iPhone, I do the same thing, but I use Evernote. You can save articles directly into Evernote. Um, he, uh, Ryan looks dejected for some reason, unclear why. I'm, I'm going to give him the floor in a second. Uh, or maybe he just looks dejected as normal. I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, that's just kind of what happens on Monday around 3.30. Both. I, I ever know. I just, I've used it some. I've tried to use it. It's just, I think that I think the notes are a lot cleaner, a lot more effective. Um, Evernote, maybe I'm just not a good enough at it. I just, I've tried it several times, but it's never been a good in there and and, and use it more than like a day. It's just like, oh, God, this is... Looks like it's built before the Commodore 64. I mean, it's just not... I don't know. The notes are more more effective. I don't know. So. <laughs> I like that, before the Commodore 64. That was good. <laughs> that, was good that was a good reference. I wasn't expecting that. That was, that was good. All right, we will be at NAEP this week. If you're in Houston, hit Ben and myself up. Um, we'll be there. We'd love a rating and review in iTunes to help spread the word about the show. Ben, anything else before we get out of here today? I don't think so. I'm looking forward to a good week. Uh, like you said, if, if, if there's people listening that are around, uh, you know, let's uh, grab coffee, uh, get uh, get to know each other a little bit better. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, and I guess I'm going to let you do the rest of the promo. Yep, and I would say we'd have a guest next week, but at this point with Nate's 0 for 3 today, um, you know, it's no promises. Ben and I might be here. We'll, we'll, we'll see if that even happens next week. Uh, Text on Gas Podcast, on Gas Contractors Connect, and Energy Week Podcast all have new episodes dropping this week. This show and all of those are in iTunes, Google Play, and all the great iHeartRadio, Spotify, all the great spots that you can find podcast at. Ben, it was good. Good show today, and we will be back next Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with Connection.